this is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains and globalization and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel over recent decades. Today on Interlinks, we're going to be taking a look at how businesses can leverage the multiple connections they have with their supply chain partners to build success for the future as we emerge from the emergency phase of the pandemic and enter hopefully the endemic phase. To discuss this crucial aspect of supply chain, I'm delighted to be joined by two of my colleagues from the supply chain special interest group uh, of the Society for the Advancement of Consulting. So delighted to uh, welcome Diane Garcia, president of Lorraine Consulting based in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Diane. Thank you, Patrick. Good morning. Good morning. How are things in uh, in Oregon? Good. Uh, starting my day. Looking yeah. great. That's great. Uh, and also joined by Lisa Anderson, president of LMA Consulting Group from the Los Angeles metro area in California. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Glad to be here. And how are things in sunny California? Well, I think people are happy because the Rams won yesterday. That's true. Yeah. That. <laughs> Super Bowl. Okay. I don't know that I that I'm that passionate about the topic, but um, I'm glad they're happy. <laughs> the, the Rams used to be based in St. Louis. Yeah, but before that, they were back in they were in Anaheim, but they were okay. called the Los, Los Angeles Rams. I see. Okay. All right, then, guys. So this this idea of the importance of external relationships or connections, I think, is kind of really central to the whole idea of modern supply chains. You know. Back in the old days where businesses were vertically integrated, perhaps they weren't so important. But I guess since about the 1970s or so, particularly with internationalization and focus on core competences, businesses have kind of um, uh, disintegrated, if you like. They've become horizontally integrated rather than vertically integrated. So now they have to compete and exercise control, not so much through ownership, but through uh, relationship. But I think while every company has relationships, uh, supply chain uh, relationships, um, I don't think all companies necessarily think about them the same way. They don't necessarily nurture them the same way. Um, And then I think almost exactly two years ago, uh, the big test came of supply chain relationships with, with COVID and the supply chain crisis that that followed on. And uh, I guess companies at that point, they just reaped what they had sold uh, in terms of their supply chain relationships for better or, or for worse. So there was more than a little panicking and scrambling uh, going on around the place. So Lisa, maybe maybe start w- w- with you. What, what's your take on this uh, idea of the importance of the quality of these external relationships and what kind of examples have you seen among your clients uh, or, or in wider business of how these uh, relationships help them to weather the supply chain crisis or even benefit from it? So, you know, I'm thinking of things like maybe accessing scarce resources or knowledge and insights or negotiating new deals or obtaining forbearance and payments and stuff like that. So what, what have, what's your take on it and what have you seen? Well, I think, I mean, you're absolutely correct that the relationships um, are going to mean the difference between success and failure, uh, and they have in the pandemic. Although I am seeing folks moving more towards vertical integration again, but that isn't something you do overnight. So uh, one of the one of the examples would be that um, a, a client had um, a backup source of supply, and they kept 
they, they kept using that backup source of supply like by at least 20% over the years, even though it cost them more money. And so during the, but this backup source of supply was in the US. It was, um, you know, less risky, if you will, because their main source was in uh, Brazil. And so uh, when, you know, when, uh, when everything uh, hit, uh, they were able to uh, utilize and go fully to their backup source of supply because they had a very good relationship because they had been using them all along. So um, that's, you know, for example, that that's that's one area where they're able to continue to produce with a key material because they had uh, because they because of the relationship um, with in this case with a backup source. But I think. By all means, I'm very concerned about, you know, some scarce resources, uh, especially since, um, you know, we aren't, it depends, but we, you know, there isn't a lot of uh, conversation about um, what we're going to do if if those are turned off uh, someday. So that that's a whole nother topic. So we I can let you um, ask more questions, but we can get to that. <laughs> this, this backup um, supply that this company had and had maintained over the years. Was that on purpose? Was there a thought process behind that? Or was it a result of inertia or just? Um, oh, no, no, definitely not inertia. So in this case, the, uh, you know, the um, board of directors was not happy uh, that the backup source of supply was kept, mainly because, uh, you know, they were more expensive. So it was, it was by uh, design, uh, the uh, director of purchasing felt that they needed to have um, a backup and a backup isn't really doesn't you do you any good whatsoever if you actually aren't um, doing some sort of ongoing business with that um, backup. So he uh, insisted and it became, uh, you know, it's uh, it became exactly what they needed because when supply, you know, was went on allocation in this case, then they were able to, um, you know, utilize the backup source. So. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the same question for you, uh, Diane. What's your own take on this whole idea of um, supply chain relationships and how important they are? And have you seen any examples, again, where people um, leverage their relationships to, to weather the supply chain crisis or, or benefit from it? Well, I do think, uh, Patrick, just to answer it straight away, they're, they're very important. Like you mentioned, we have a lot more dependency on each other and, and companies are much more dependent on their suppliers. And so how you nurture and, and prioritize um, has, has made all the difference. Um, I think mainly clients that I work with are working on how they better support their suppliers with information. And, you know, in the past, perhaps it was thought and not done, but I think now companies are realizing just how important it is to, like Lisa's mentioning, how do you secure your supply? How do you prioritize and how do you share information? And I know Lisa and I were talking not too long ago about processes like, you know, sales inventory operations planning, and how do you extend that information outside? So I know I work with clients who really focus on that every day and, and how to bring that information and, and nurture into the relationship um, so they can, you know, be successful and their suppliers can catch up and and uh, support them for a better future. So it's it's you know one of the bigger things that we or lessons learned maybe in the in the pandemic was uh, those you were you know prioritizing and working with are those you're going to you know move on in, into the future with and um, you know be successful. 
Okay. Um, I actually like to um, uh, introduce our third guest uh, today, um, Dr. Uh, Karen Wilson Starks, who's joining us from Colorado Springs in the state of Colorado in the, in the US. So, uh, good morning to you, Karen. How are you? How are things in Colorado? Good morning, everything. It's fine. All is well here. Excellent. Excellent. Glad you could join us. Thank yeah, you. Me you. too. Now, um, Lisa, you mentioned about uh, vertical integration, that you've seen some evidence of that going on, kind of maybe early stage uh, vertical reintegration. Do you think that is just a reaction to what's going on, or do you think that might be some sort of a pattern that's going to reemerge as a new trend? Um, well, I, I think it is um, beginning to be a pattern. Uh, like, for example, um, some of the larger companies are starting to do this, like uh, like a Walmart of the world are starting to buy up the, uh, you know, the food suppliers, as, as an example. Uh, and that was happening even prior to the pandemic. Um, um, I heard some stories about it. So I think that now, for sure, um, as folks are having trouble um, figuring out how to source their key supplies, they're thinking about buying a company or uh, merging with a company or, or doing something so that they can have more control over their over their end-to-end supply chain. With that said, uh, they also could um, just be paying much more close attention to their to their suppliers and their relationships. But uh, but I, no, I think that they're really interested in control right now. Yeah, yeah. There's a, an interesting development that I, I saw a client of, of mine um, and they were having lots of issues with ocean freight um, as you all know, that's been a, a major headache for companies that are particularly importing companies in North America and in Europe who import from uh, the Far East, particularly. And uh, this company was importing several thousand TEUs uh, per annum. And the, the bill they were facing for 2022 was probably in excess of $30 million uh, in, in ocean freight. And um, they, they had always had a strategy of um, playing essentially the spot market. Um, but when we actually analyzed the freight forwarders they were using, even though they did that on a, on a case-by-case basis, uh, most of the business was going to one freight forwarder. So we said to them, listen, why don't you actually develop the relationship with these guys a bit further and see whether um, you can do better by talking to them in a more strategic way about your, your freight requirements in the, in the future. So we started um, a negotiation with this uh, uh, freight forwarder. So I guess the, the long and the short of it is there's lots of bells and whistles on it, but the agreement in the end is they now have a strategic relationship, which is essentially an exchange of good and stable rates that are tremendously better than what's, what the market rates are at the moment uh, in exchange for guaranteed volumes. And that's the kind of a relationship that was that was there, but was maybe a little bit kind of transactional. And they just said to themselves, okay, let's change the strategy of this relationship and let's give them something that they, they need in exchange for something that um, we uh, can can benefit from. So that, that, was, that was an interesting example that I came across. 93.9, Dublin South FM. Diane, I guess um, all modern businesses have myriad external uh, relationships with external parties, whether they're, you know, uh, strategic partners or joint venture partners or, or the customers, suppliers, service providers, contractors, this goes on. Um, and evidently that they can't give the same focus and attention to all of these relationships. So if you were advising a client regarding how best to manage all of those uh, external supply chain relationships, what would you advise them regarding kind of triaging or prioritizing uh, so that they can kind of 
um, get the best use of their resources to cultivate and nurture, nurture the relationships that are most important to the success of their business. Well, like you mentioned, Patrick, when you realize like how much spend with a particular client, that's always one of the, I guess, uh, first steps. But also, uh, Lisa mentioned, or you mentioned earlier, the, the the key or the core competency of of your business and what you know, rare materials or or you know, where in your your supply chain perhaps you're most vulnerable. That is where to start. Um, it's not all about those who are supporting in terms of spend, but of course that's a big piece of it. So it's really, do you know, do you, do you have an idea? I mean, I'm sure, like you said, it's, it's one of those, it's unspoken, but until you, you make it official, do you, do you understand who those key suppliers are and, and what is your definition of critical or key? Um, so making sure, you know, you're, you're understanding that within your supply chain and, and perhaps it's not always just the next tier that you work with, but perhaps your suppliers are, are, integrated and working with other suppliers that are essential to your supply chain. So really, I guess, doing an assessment or an analysis of what your supply chain looks like and, and then understanding, you know, what, where you may focus your attention could come from how much spend or how critical or, or, you know, is it critical for your suppliers to be successful? Um, so I would advise to, to start there and understand what, what it looks like. And then of course, as you prioritize, like you're saying, you can't prioritize everyone. Uh, as we as we well know, so how do you how do you you know spend spend time and how do you you know the fortunate thing that we're facing today is that we're becoming much more in person again. So perhaps it's you know visiting or or restarting a, a routine relationship, whether that's visits every you know quarter or every every week, you know, depending on how critical and close in proximity these suppliers are. So I would say if you can visit and, and kickstart relationships that perhaps over the pandemic we were virtually uh, discussing, it's probably best to start start there and, and regain some of that in-person conversation and, and yeah, relationship building. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. It actually brings me to a question I had, especially for Karen. So uh, Karen, the, from, from the point of view of the psychology of relationships what do you think would some be some of the good approaches tools techniques and strategies that businesses should be learning and applying to their supply chain relationships the ones that they value uh, the most to keep them strong keep them vibrant in good times and in bad and in that do you think there are any parallels with some of the ways we manage our closest personal relationships one thing I would say is that it's important to think in terms of partnership. And a lot of times the people that we really need to connect with to build future success are people that we, we don't think of in terms of full partnership. We might think of it in terms of partial partnership. So let me give you an example. Like some of my clients, what they're dealing with right now with the talent shortage in the United States is actually um, bringing in contractors to do more of the work that they used to do internally, but they don't have the bandwidth to get that done. However, the way that they've done it in the past, the contractors will come in very short term. It's very transactional. They do a bit of work and then they leave. And they're really needing to rely on those contractors a lot more than they did in the past. So they 
have to think of them as, as an arm of the company. They have to think of them as a partner of the organization. And with that mindset, they may have to sit down and very clearly talk about the values of their own organization. How do they do the work? And what are the expectations? They have to train them in their own way of doing business, not just on the technical end, but also on the values-based end. And I think too, if you really want those contractors to be committed to you for the long term, very similar to what was being said about you know suppliers and relationships with pricing, you have to think about what's the guaranteed kind of work you can offer them over a longer period of time so that they're loyal to you and they're available when you need them. And so often companies aren't thinking about that. They're thinking, I'll just reach out when I need them and they'll be there. But in fact, they're not there. They may be servicing someone else. So even if you can guarantee some touch points and at the time they come up, even if you have internal bandwidth, it can be useful to use your external partner anyway, just to gel the relationship more. And so that you are working seamlessly together going into the future. It's a time to really connect at an even deeper level and figure out how do we how do we sort of raft down this river together? So I think partnership is the word I would use. And then you ask, well, what about our real life relationships outside of work? I would say, yeah, there are, there are a lot of parallels. No matter what that relationship is, let me give well, let me an obvious example would be marriage or a relationship of that sort, a partnership of that type. Usually husband and wife have very different skills, very different abilities, different styles. And it's the combination together that they cover more of the waterfront, if you will. I think the same is true with many of the partners that we might bring in to work with us. We're bringing in different abilities. And when combined, we can go farther and we can go deeper and faster than we can alone. And one other analogy I might use is a music analogy. There are people out there who are very talented in playing instruments. They're very talented geniuses in writing music, composing and putting things together. And some of those people play instruments well, not all instruments, but many, and some don't sing at all. Yet the music they're creating requires singing. So they've got to think about the partners that they were bringing together so that the sound they hear in their head really materializes in real life because they can't sing. If they start singing, we won't listen to their music. So I think the same thing is true in business. There are people we need because they're bringing different music that's required for the right sound. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. I, I often see, um, I, I don't know, sometimes maybe it's either that values aren't, aren't clear or they're not integrated into the strategy or when it gets to the day-to-day, -day, say, in, in procurement and cut and, and thrust of, of procurement, often the, the relationships, uh, I've unfortunately have seen lots of them are quite, quite toxic. You know, the quality communication isn't particularly uh, good. There isn't a lot of transparency. So when they're kind of talking about uh, contracting or pricing or stuff, there's a lot of caginess uh, uh, goes on. They're not really focused on on on, on value, um, so the, the honesty and the candor isn't really there. And sometimes, particularly if one business is more powerful than the other, sometimes there's even a lack of lack of respect and 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 fairness. And I've I've seen that a lot in kind of relationships between big manufacturers sometimes and their logistic service providers. Um, and I think there's a huge opportunity in in that space lisa what, what's your kind of view of that that's a really kind of critical supply chain relationship the one between manufacturers and logistic services providers am, am i being unfair or what, what do you think no no it's, it's definitely uh key because the logistic service provider is the person who's going to be um has the direct connection to the customer 
generally speaking. So anyone who has a direct direct relationship with the customer is is critical. So it's really an extension of the manufacturer. Uh, so you know they're they're absolutely critical, and and the the customer is going to view that whoever delivers the product or uh, as as the um, as the you know the the main company. They don't care who it is. They just consider that to be the the person. So I would definitely say that 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 is one of the one of, one of many relationships, but it's certainly a directly directly connecting with the customer. Um, therefore, it's an important relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, have you have you have you seen any good examples of of relationships between logistics service providers and their and their uh, customers or their clients that kind of made the light go off in your head? Say this is this is good. This is how it should be done. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some uh, there's a, a few three three PLs that um, are in in the area that I live in. One in particular that he's very the CEO of the company is extremely involved in the community. And he is, um, you know, proactive, and so uh, I know that um, he has really, you know, good knowledge about the programs that the customers that he delivers to um, require. Because some of the larger customers have various programs, like the um, Home Depots and Lowe's of the world, uh, have uh, specific requirements, if you will. So uh, this uh, this particular three PL that I'm thinking about, you know, has you know intimate knowledge of all of this. He's you know, and they're always looking to, um, you know, provide superior customer experience and, and um, you know, at a at an affordable price, if you will. Mm-hmm. And they also, from that point of view, work a lot with the um, uh, container ships coming in because, you know, this many of their clients have products coming in from uh, from overseas. So, you know, it's very up to speed on what's going on with the ports and how to best navigate uh, that whole matrix. So, yeah, absolutely. Those uh, um, those customers that are utilizing uh, the 3PL service would be you know better off than their competitors. Yeah. So uh, as we come in kind of to the last um, phase of the, the the interview, I just wanted to check with with, with all of you one one after the other. Maybe start with uh, uh, Diane and then go to to Karen and then wrap up with you, uh, Lisa. How have um, these kind of external relationships say played a part in sustaining the success of your own business, um, particularly through the last two years with with COVID? And um, how do you kind of regard those relationships that you might have? Uh, looking to the future and has your view of those relationships, business relationships I'm talking about now that you have uh, with other uh, entities, has your view of them changed through the course of the pandemic over the last uh, couple of years? So Diane, what would what be your, your view on that? Well, I, I think as, as you've, we've navigated the pandemic, it's continued to change and refresh itself just because we've had these different periods of you know, 2020 versus last year and coming into this year. But I do think just in general with with clients and of course in my personal business, it's been really about growth and then how to sustain the growth and how to scale for the growth. And so when I look at how critical it is for these relationships to thrive, it's really like a two-way street. It's not what I would like it to be and what others would like it to be, but it's how do we all build this together and and you know, be successful together. So I think in a way the pandemic really took that away. We were isolated from each other and now and now it's like this new kind of a new beginning or new feeling of new beginning. And I think a lot of people are feeling that. And how do we 
how do we make it an even stronger and uh, strengthen supply chain together? I think so. It's exciting. I do think it's a, a new view on, on things. Thanks, Diane. And uh, Karen, what about your, your view of your own relationships in, in, in business over the last couple of years and your view of it for the future? I think that what I have done over the last couple of years is to expand the connections and expand the network and to talk more deeply with people because I wasn't traveling as much. So I had more bandwidth to actually connect at a different level. And I also brought in people to my network that I normally might not include, people who were marketing experts or other kinds of professionals to get new ideas and new ways of thinking about how I might proceed at a time when the way we were doing business was also different. And I really doubled down on partnering with the customers themselves because they had different needs, they had different challenges, and it was important for me to really be in the right place to serve them at the highest level. And I'll also say, you know, Patrick, you said earlier something about how important the communications are and being transparent and so on and so forth. And I think another parallel on the communication is that sometimes we assume things in relationships that don't get explored. And so going back to marriage again, the wife is thinking to herself, oh, well, he should know that this is what I like or this is what I don't like, but it's not articulated. And very often the same thing happens in business. So I find that when we're bringing in partners as contractors or whatever, we've got to be much more explicit. We have to over-communicate in multiple channels. We have to make sure that when we use a certain word, they're hearing the same meaning that we're hearing. So I think in the pandemic, because we've not been in person, not been face-to-face in the same way, I've been even more careful about making sure that we are communicating the, the same messages to each other and understand each other. Right. Interesting. And uh, Lisa, what about you? Well, definitely. uh, I agree with both uh, Diane and Karen. Uh, Certainly, um, it's been about growth and helping clients navigate uh, volatility and changing circumstances. So from that point of view, you know, I've been bringing on additional resources and expanding and uh, also um, bringing on new like bringing on new skill sets, if you will. Uh, so really, and, um, you know, also new partners like uh, Karen has talked about. So um, you know, actually, I've had a whole lot more media interaction uh, because they became much more interested in the supply chain <laughs> during the pandemic. So uh, so from that point of view, a whole, whole um, host of new uh, um, relationships, if you will. So uh, it's 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 really been interesting. And I would also say that um, it's been different because it's it's been 100%, uh, well, mainly 100% during the pandemic anyway, virtually. Um, and now it's, now it's figuring out how to do a hybrid that makes sense. You don't want to go back to what you were doing before just because you were doing it before. So um, now I'm, you know, focusing back on um, really mainly evolving to largely virtual with in-person when it's going to really add value. So, you know, like really looking at that from an ad, from an adding value point of view. And from that point of view, you know, since we're working with more, um, more, more suppliers, more customers, additional trusted advisors, uh, you, you do have to be really um, clear and you have to, those are all relationships you have to maintain as well. So it's actually, um, it actually adds to the, you know, to the, uh, workload, if you will, but it's an important, uh, an important aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing that as well. Funnily enough, although we were distanced from each other in some ways, 
we begin to uh, appreciate each other better. You know, people were a bit more open about their um, uh, constraints because often now you were talking to people who were actually at home. They were in their home and the dog was barking or there was a child crying or something like this. And you began to see people as, as people more so than when you go to a factory or you go, you go to an office. And uh, I think a lot of people opened up more to the, what can be done uh, online and no doubt we will go to a hybrid yeah. uh, model. Um, but I think the, the 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 reticence to do certain things online is now gone, and I think that's a great a great benefit. Saves saves time, saves stress, saves travel, and protects the environment even even a little bit. So um, it's been it's been an interesting couple of years, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. So again, as always, uh, we get beaten by the clock. Um, we could we could go on, but we have to uh, finish. So I'll say thank you uh, to you also, just to remind. Um, listeners who they've been listening to. So we've had uh, Diane Garcia, uh, president of Lorraine Consulting based in Portland, Oregon. Thanks, uh, Diane. Uh, um, thank you. Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, president and CEO of Trans Leadership Incorporated, Colorado Springs, uh, state of Colorado. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much, Patrick. And finally, Lisa Anderson, president of LMA Consulting Group from the Los Angeles metro area. Thanks, uh, Lisa. Yep, I enjoyed it. And uh, thanks to all our listeners um, for tuning in. And you can find this Interlinks podcast also on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and other uh, podcast platforms. For any comments or questions, drop me a line on pdaily, P-D-A-L-Y, at alba, A-L-B-A, logistics, all one word, dot com. And in the meantime, keep well and stay safe. Until next time.